Okay, here we come then. And this is the Attributes of God, Session 5. Uh, and the title is Omnipotence. Let's just pray before we begin, shall we? Dear Father, we say like Job, I have heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. As we delve into who you really are, our minds are overwhelmed by your majesty. We can't take it in, Lord, but we so want to try, Father. Holy Spirit, please help us in our weakness to understand the infinite, enable us to grasp a knowledge of the holy and the unspeakable riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. Come and teach us, we pray, for without you we shall understand nothing. Thank you. Amen. The object of these little studies is that we might know him according to John 17.3. Know as much as we can about the one with whom we will spend eternity. We've looked at the Trinity and the sovereignty of God and we've begun looking at the omnis of God, last time his omniscience, today his omnipotence and finally we will look at the omnipresence of his majesty. Omnipotence. Nothing prepares us for the might and the majesty of what we are about to discover. We have heard that his ways are past finding out, but now we really see why he said that. Our God increases in size every time we open our Bibles to do these studies. As we try to look at the invisible and understand the immutable, we realise the finite is up against the infinite and we can do nothing but bow the knee close our mouths and open our hearts before him in utter adoration and worship as we cry with Moses, Who is like you, O Lord, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Exodus fifteen eleven. Before I start, I really need to acknowledge my teacher, the late Roger D.G. Price of Chichester Christian Fellowship. Father led me to him more than 30 years ago. His teaching has stood the test of time. You can find and download it all for free on YouTube. Roger always insisted that his basic Bible studies were given away. He knew how imperative it was to ground Christians in the Word of God. On YouTube you will find all of his basic teachings, there's about a hundred of them. Basic in terms of foundational and essential, not simple. Simple they are not, but necessary for growth and fruitfulness they most certainly are. And I commend them to you. So we are talking about the nature, the character of God and his attributes. We're talking about those that are most clearly revealed in the Bible. And last time we looked at his omniscience. We discover that he knows everything, absolutely everything. And the second omni we trip over is omnipotence. Omni, all, potent, powerful. We speak of something being potent when it knocks us back like a slug of whiskey, which this teaching may do. Studies about him are more precious to us than anything else. It's our privilege that we can know him. He wants us to know him. Definitions are always useful. And as God progressively reveals himself through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this, what's coming up now, may be of some use to you. 
So we're just going to look at a few names of God. Elohim, God, in the beginning, God. God, the most powerful of all the powerful ones, you find in, in Genesis 1.1, to which is added Yahweh, Lord, the self-existent one who is always present in his creation, giving us the compound name found in Genesis 2.4, Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, Genesis 2.7. Now, the compound of the name, God, the self-existent one, who is always actively present in his creation and is the most powerful of all the powerful one. He creates man. Then comes El Shaddai, Almighty God, who introduces himself to childless Abraham in Genesis 17.1. Again, it's a compound name. Building on the previous revelation of himself to man, he now presents himself to Abraham as the breasted one, God, the all-sufficient one, the nurturer and nourisher of all things, who says there is nothing you will need that I cannot satisfy, nothing you will lack that I cannot and will not provide. I am El Shaddai, the one who not only enriches, keeps and sustains, but makes fruitful. A lovely promise for Abraham and totally fulfilled in Isaac. Then a New Testament word, this one I love, the Pantocrator, Lord Almighty, found in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, and in the book of Revelation, about six times. A very powerful word indeed. We have a compound here of Yahweh, the Lord, the self-existent one, who is always actively present in his creation, who is the Yahweh, or Lord, of Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth, the warrior king, Lord of hosts, or Lord of the armies of heaven, and El, God, together with Shaddai, the nurturer, sustainer, and upholder of creation. From God to Lord, to nurturer and protector, from El to Yahweh to Shaddai to Lord of Sabaoth. We now have four names contained in the one revelation. This name, Pantocrata, introduces us to the all-powerful one, the person, his majesty, El Supremo, who sustains, upholds, nourishes, feeds and protects his creation. A mighty force to be reckoned with, the Lord Almighty. This singularly is the name that describes the majesty of his awesome power. This is the king revealed in Revelation, the Lord of glory. This is the one who always reveals himself in our time of need as exactly what we need. This is our coming king and bridegroom. You may need time to draw breath after all that because God probably just got bigger. God is all-powerful, all-potent. We've just seen that. There is none with more power than our God. If there were, he would not be omnipotent. So we can rest in that fact. Ultimate power is his. He has absolute power and is the sole depository of power. Sometimes it really is necessary to get back into the King James Version because the more modern translations just don't say what we need them to say. So it's the King James and not the NIV that we find the word omnipotence in Revelation 19, 5 and 6, King James Version. 
And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. It's the only time the word omnipotent is used in the New Testament. The same Greek word is used nine other times, but it's translated as almighty. The NIV has almighty right the way through. Revelation eleven sixteen and 17, it's the same word here in Greek, Lord God Almighty. And again in 2 Corinthians six seventeen and 18, what we have is a statement of his omnipotence. This word is never used of man. In the Old Testament, it's used 56 times and is always translated almighty. The Hebrew is El Shaddai, which means the breasted one the sustainer, nurturer and all-sufficient one, the upholder of all things, God Almighty, as we have seen in the Greek, is Pantocrata, the Almighty One. He is the one who is all-sufficient. He is more than that and more than enough. So the words have the same meaning in both Testaments and they are only ever used of God. No man can ever claim to be almighty or have absolute power. Words are sometimes so very inadequate, particularly when we try to describe him. No wonder the prophets of old said, like, or in the form of, and such expressions. They just never had seen anything comparable, and we're the same as we try to describe his majesty. God, not man, has absolute power, but he is absolutely holy and just at the same time. Psalm 62, 11 and 12 tells us that power belongs to God and only to him. Power belongs exclusively to God. And in verse 12, unto thee, O Lord, belongs mercy. It shows us that he hasn't been corrupted by the power he has. Humanly speaking, whoever has power and authority only has it because God allows it or has given it. Romans 13, 1-4. We see this a lot too in the book of Revelation where unto him or them it was given, showing us that permission is needed to do anything. God's power is totally unlimited. He will never run out of power or anything else come to that. When he gives, he is not diminished in any way. Unlike us, we need replenishing when we've given out. The car will need a refill. We need feeding. But he never needs replenishment. When he gives, he is nonetheless for the giving. If you have infinite power to do anything, one thing is as easy as another. He can create a sun as easily as lift a stone, cure a cancer as easy as a cold, a nebula is as easy to create as a butterfly to him. There's no reason to say to him, this might take you a little longer. The problem is in our minds, not in his. This is why some people have difficulty with the fact that God created in six days. They can't grasp it with their finite minds. He spoke and it happened, but they can't believe that. He said, let there be and there was. 
his very words created, they still do. So when it says he rested on the seventh day, he's just showing us something. He's saying on the seventh day, set yourself apart to meditate on who made all this. Think deeply on these things. He didn't need to rest because he never gets tired. What he's saying is, man, consider all this that I've made and be thankful for it on the seventh day. Consider the work of my hands and say with me, it is very good. That he didn't rest because he was not tired was shown in Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known he never faints nor grows weary? When he rests, it doesn't mean he's tired. He rested to show that he created everything that was necessary. It's done, it's finished. And in so doing, he gave us a plan. Take a day off, change, rest by doing something different. He could have done it all instantaneously, but he chose to do it in six days. God has unlimited power. If you are sovereign, you have to be omnipotent also, or you couldn't do it. If God ever wills something and doesn't have the power to do it, he's not omnipotent, the two go together. How can we grasp this? Creation points to his omnipotence. God is always pointing to it to remind us how big he is. Job 38 I will question you and you shall answer me. That's Job getting his comeuppance. Brilliant stuff. In my New King James Bible it's headed The Lord reveals his omnipotence to Job. God calls him to account. The Lord says, answer Job if you can. You're uttering words without knowledge. Ooh, ouch. Job's not shedding light but darkness and God calls him to account. I will demand of you, where were you? And off we go. Remember who you're talking to, Job. Who are you to question what I'm doing? And Job gets the message. He comes into submission to God's immensity and is blessed as a result. Passages like this keep you in the right place of submission. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Majestic. You have done it and nothing is too difficult for you. We come to the place of bowing the knee and acknowledging this. He is the supreme ruler of the universe, the omnipotent one, the blessed and only potentate. Man thinks he has power. We need to get things into perspective. Roger Price formerly was a geography teacher and he says this, talking about God's power. Compare the power of man and the power of God. The earth is like a giant ball of custard with a skin. Look at the power of an avalanche, the sea, a volcano, Krakatoa, a volcano so vast that when it erupted it was like thousands of megaton bombs worth of power going up. It caused a tidal wave a hundred foot tall, think about that weight of water, and it moved so rapidly it went right across the Indian Ocean and hit the coast of Africa and the west side of America. 
On the west coast of America, people were drowned, dust from it settled in London, and it was heard in Japan, 3,000 miles away. That's power. Incomparable power. That's the earth. And compared to the sun, the earth is a pea shooter. Some of the stars in the solar system have a diameter of millions of miles. Yet Psalm 8, 3 and 4 says they are the work of your fingers. God is playing with beads. This is what his omnipotence is all about. And he holds it all in the palm of his hand. Julian of Norwich was shown a little thing the size of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand and I was given to understand that it is everything that is made. She was also shown that God made it, he loves it and he keeps it. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, 3 It begs the question, what is man that you are mindful of him? We need to see the vastness and all the mighty power of God and the way he sustains his creation. God constantly keeps the whole creation in order. Hebrews 1, 1-3, speaking of Jesus, by whom he made the worlds, upholding all things. We are held together by the power of God. If he ever stopped for a moment, we would disintegrate. Everything is his, and he makes mid-course corrections all the time. He's continuously involved in everything, every blade of grass. Nothing grows, but he sustained it. Worms and bu bugs for the birds, having their breakfast. He's continually creating. We have to come into a greater revelation of this so that we see him in everything. Matthew six twenty six. Your heavenly Father is feeding them. God is feeding them and there's always enough. Are you not much better than they, is the question. God is the provider of everything. He's the source. How wonderful is that? If he's clothing the grass of the field, will he not clothe you? We all need a bigger revelation of his hand in everything. God is the power behind all things, Job thirty-eight eleven, And here God is saying to Job that he told the sea thus far and no further. Amazing. God puts bounds on the sea. Jesus showed his power all the time. Lazarus raised and lepers healed. Every time you see a healing, that's the omnipotence of God, the power. Our redemption is so great. Jesus conquered sin, death and the opposition. His power was revealed when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. We sometimes forget this majestic passage in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 in the Passion Translation. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. The 
power here spoken of is where we get our word dynamite. It's dunamis, exceedingly great power. There are four different words for power in this one verse. Exceeding greatness, mighty power, that's omnipotence. All things are under his feet. In the ancient world, you put your foot on the neck of your enemy, showing you were the conqueror. And this is what it's saying. Jesus has conquered everything that was against us by his exceedingly great power. The power of God revealed to us at the cross. Have you ever thought how amazing it was that he washed your sins away? A wonderful day when Jesus washed my sins away. It's incredible, amazing, and we marvel. They're all gone. All we ever did or will do, all taken care of. Amazing. Now we represent God's power and the devil can't stand us. He hates us. We stand in the very power of God for the very power of God. The power of new life in you is enough to keep your resurrection body for eternity. The power of God is able to sustain you. As we end, let's just check out that God the Father is omnipotent. Mark 14, 61 and 62. The Son is omnipotent. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. By him all things were created. And the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Romans fifteen nineteen. So yet again we see that the Trinity shares in all these attributes. All three are omnipotent. So what does it mean for us? God is omnipotent. He's always there for us. He promises things above that we above that which we ask or think. Ephesians three twenty. He really is more than enough. We simply need to believe it. We are kept by his power. Oh, this is a beautiful one. 1 Peter 1 verse 5. His omnipotence is all there for you. And you will make your destination with plenty to spare. Jude 24 tells us he is able. John 10 verse 28 You'll never perish. Once he's given you eternal life, you shall never perish. You cannot lose your salvation, no matter how hard you try. My Father is greater than all. If you're in his hand, you can't open it. We must surely be persuaded. None, including you, can pluck yourself out of his hand. Omnipotence for you leads into worship, 2 Kings 17.36. He brought you up out of Egypt with great power. He's done it. He did it. He's doing it. He is greater than everything. Next time we'll look at omnipresence. He's everywhere at once. Thank you, Father. All power is yours. Amen.